Good evening, friends. It is so wonderful to say good evening and not good morning. Why do we even do morning services? That's what I'm wondering as I'm here. I'm so happy. I'm not a morning person. And all of you are here. Merry Christmas. By the way, if we have not met, my name is Charlie Salamone, the lead pastor here. You know, it's fitting. Let's just, let's just start. I have a few words for you. That, uh, I almost said this morning. It's just habit, habit. Get that habit right out of here. Uh, let, let's put a, a Christmas passage on the screen this evening. Let's just start with that. This will probably be familiar to you if you have some church background. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 2, beginning verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was when, Herod, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. All right, pause there. So here is a passage, again, a lot of people know, this is known as the coming of the wise men, the three wise men. That's what tradition calls them. If you notice, the passage doesn't say that there's only three of them, and it actually doesn't even say that they're men. Could have been, could have been a mix, I suppose. Um, but uh, just for tradition's sake, for familiarity, I'll be calling them the wise men as very as I refer to them, they came, they actually traveled a long way. They came to worship, they came to, they came to, they came to see. They wanted to see the child born and they wanted to worship. They were known as wise because they came a far distance. They came from Babylon and they must have heard of the prophecies that had taken place and they figured out that the God of Israel is the one true God. So they came, and they came a long way, Babylon. That's probably where they came from, by the way. They probably came from Babylon because there were some Jewish prophets that were there a long time before that. And the wise men must have noticed the prophecies that the, that the prophets had written down and said, hey, a lot of these things came to be. These things must, this prophet must be actually from God. So anyways, uh, they came a long way. I don't know how far you guys came. The Illator Bridge is still out, isn't it? Or that's like, some of you guys, some of you guys, uh, uh, one lane all the way here. I don't know how long that took. These fellows traveled, oh, I writ, wrote it down. They traveled like 1,500 kilometers. Um, I still think in miles, but for your sake, I wrote down kilometers. And uh, anyways, that was before trains and cars and such. So they came a long way. And once more, okay, hear this. I don't know why you came this I almost said this morning again. I don't know why you came this evening, but they came because they wanted to worship. That's what they said. And they wanted to see. They could have worshiped from Babylon. They wanted to see him, and they wanted to worship. And I want to put something out that is kind of bold, I think, before I say anything else. That's my goal for us. Not just tonight, but for the church. My goal is that we would worship out of seeing 
with hearts that see, not just with stories that we've been told and stories we've decided to believe, but hearts that actually see the truth because that's part of the promise. Part of the promise from God is by the Holy Spirit we would see. So my goal for this evening is that this would be more than just a traditional thing. This would be more than just something you come to once a year or you come to out of just something that you've done since you were a little kid. But this would actually be worship. And that's something that I think God is going to help us with. And I'm going to pray that God helps me speak some words that might stir things in all of our hearts that will enable us to not only sing the songs, but actually worship from a place of seeing the truth, seeing the truth for what it is and believing it. Father God, help me do that and help us, help all of us, help my heart be open, help our hearts be open so that we truly can see you, Lord, for who you are. You are good, the truth is good, the gift of God is good, Lord, but our hearts need to be open to see you in your goodness. So work in me, work in us, so I can communicate that from you. Lord, let it be evident that the words that I speak, that the message I give is truly from you, the God who is good, the God who is real, and the God who came to earth as a baby born in a manger, and let that all be evident in your name, Jesus. Amen. So you got these wise men. They came on a long trip. They came because they wanted to see. They wanted to worship. But right away, there's a problem, isn't there? Did you catch it? There's a problem. Well, actually, there's two problems. Mark that. There's two. The first one, very easy to see. Uh, the second one, harder to see and, quite frankly, harder to deal with. But let's deal with the first one first because the first one's easier. The first problem, well, they come into Jerusalem, right, and they say, we're looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. Who gets that message? We see it right there. Uh, it's mentioned in, in verse 1, during the time of King Herod, okay? So they come, and it says it again in verse 3, when King Herod heard that, and that was that, the, 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 the language there is, is there for a purpose. Notice how they call him King Herod twice. Right away, you can see the problem, can't you? King Herod, king of the Jews, King Herod, is sitting on his throne, and some people come in, and they say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And King Herod is thinking, maybe you didn't see the name on the door. That's me, okay? But he didn't say that, did he? Because he knew deep down he wasn't the king that was truly sent by God. He knew that. So instead, he went to the prophets and he said, where, where, where is this, this king supposed to come from? Um, well, um, they go back and they read from a prophet that wrote things down about 700 years prior. And if you're part of Wesley Bible Church, we've been going through some of the words of this prophet. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the prophet Micah, the things he wrote down, which is part of the Old Testament. So what he says here is, quoting Micah, um, Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A king will arise, and this king will be different. King Herod, what is he up to? What is he doing? He's trying to rule out of his own desire for power. That's really normal, isn't it? Isn't that just like human history? Isn't what's going on here the most normal, expected thing you would ever see if you've ever read a newspaper or perhaps a history book? 
Let's actually look for a moment at um, some of the words of Micah. So if we could rewind like 700 years, um, Micah chapter 7, uh, beginning verse 1, it goes like this. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. Notice verse 3. Verse 1 is basically just saying God looks down and he's not pleased. He wants fruit. He wants the things that make him happy. He's looking and it's all empty. It's all bare. And verse 3 is talking about what we see going on in the days of King Herod. Rulers. Uh, judges accepting brides, powerful dictating what they desire, taking what they want because they can. That was a big, that was a big complaint of the prophet Micah and many of the Old Testament prophets. This is truly the story of mankind. Oppression, corruption, injustice. King Herod is doing the most normal thing for kings to do. And if you know anything about history, you know that. Actually, a lot of this sermon was inspired just a few weeks ago. I was standing over there talking to a couple people after one of our Wednesday nights. They don't even know that the conversation inspired the whole sermon. But a couple guys from uh, Nigeria, uh, Bumi and Tundi were their names. I was talking with them, and they were telling me about what happened in Nigeria, things I never knew. They said the British ruled Nigeria. I don't know what gave the British um, the idea that it was their job to do that, but they ruled uh, Nigeria for quite some time, but in 1960, the British finally left, and they put in charge one of the tribes in Nigeria. This is just the story I got, but there were other tribes in Nigeria, and so when the British left, that opened up a whole new set of problems with people doing what people do, right? The same thing that Micah's talking about, the same thing that we all have experienced one of the things I love about our church is that we have a lot of immigrants. I myself am an immigrant, right? And if you, many of you who are immigrants, look at your country of origin, it's really going to be the same story. Maybe not the same players. Maybe it doesn't involve the British and the specific tribes that I was learning about on that particular day because that was all new information to me. But if you're listening, you'll hear it's not new information, is it? It's all of our story. Oppression. Corruption, injustice, it's how the world has carried on. It's how the kings of this earth has carried on. It's how the powerful players have played. And you know what? I'm an immigrant from the United States, and I don't know if you've paid attention to what's going on there these days, but sometimes I feel like a political refugee, right? It's, it's a mess over there, but it's... it's it's nothing unusual, it's just a unique kind of mess because there's a lot of unique kinds of people doing unique things, but really it's all the same story, isn't it? Oppression, corruption, injustice. Just coming out one way or that way or that way. And as we were talking back there, we were talking about how we're in a world with nuclear weapons. And nuclear weapons have been around for some time now. And you know what's really surprising? What's really surprising is we haven't blown this whole place up already. How have we survived this long with people doing what people do? How 
if you read the news and you understand what people do, you have to believe that it's only the grace of God holding us back from ourselves because otherwise we would have destroyed all of this by now, right? You know I'm right, okay? So all this to say is what Micah is saying here is the most evident thing in the world. Powerful people dictate what they want. Kings like King Herod wrestle over power, injustice, corruption. It's... It's all the same story. It just comes out in different ways, right? You know I'm right, okay? So, all that is easy. All of that, what I've said so far, is easy. Not easy to solve, but easy to see, isn't it? Right? Pick up a history book. There it is. Easy. Pick up a newspaper. There it is. Injustice. Easy to see, right? But I told you there was two problems, didn't I? Two problems that the wise men faced. Here's what's harder to see, okay? Here's what's harder. Let's actually return. Let's return to the story of the wise men that came to town. Well, well, well. Um, Verse 3, when King Herod heard, he was disturbed. Now hold on a second. King Herod is disturbed. Why is King Herod disturbed? I like the current administration, all right? I'm happy with myself being king, with myself being in charge. I don't want to hear about any shepherd king that is destined to rule. And here, just one second, I need you to do something with me. As you think about the injustice of the world, some of you are more political than others. That's fine. I myself, in my younger days, used to be very, very driven by politics, which I've come to learn is not a bad thing. To be driven by politics is to be driven by a thirst for justice. It's it's one of the things that God put in us, a desire for justice. So what I want from you is to think about the injustice of the world. If you read a current newspaper, you'll see it. People suffering and powerful people doing what powerful people do. You see it, you feel it. For a moment, I need you to feel a little anger. Is that okay in church? It is okay. I'm giving you permission. Feel a little anger. Feel a little frustration. Because I'm going to harness that. And this part's going to be less easy. Like I said, holding a history book in front of you, not that hard to see the problem. Holding a newspaper in front of you, really easy to see the problem. Here's where it gets hard. Hold the mirror in front of you. Because that's where it gets harder. It's not surprising that King Herod did what he did. It's the second half of verse 3 that really gets me. Um, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And hear this. And all Jerusalem with him. Are you kidding me? What? All of Jerusalem with him? It wasn't just King Herod, but the peoples, the crowds, they also didn't want this king to come? Why would that be? You see, here's the problem. Why has this world persisted with oppression, corruption, injustice? Is it because we just get the wrong people on the throne each time? We just keep getting it wrong? No, no, no. It's because they're of the same flesh that we are. The problems that we have are the problems they have. It's just more obvious because they're on a throne. 
But you see, the problem exists in all of us. They're doing what they do because they are what they are. And we, beloved, we, beloved, were born in this nature. We're sinners. It's the truth. Why didn't the people, why were all the people disturbed by King Jesus coming to town, King Jesus being born? Well, I told you, it's easy to see why Herod was disturbed, isn't it? He was disturbed because he was thinking, what do you mean, a king? I'm the king. I like the current administration. I want to sit as king. And we know that was wrong because he wasn't a good king. He wasn't a shepherd king. He wasn't the king who was rightfully the owner of the throne. We know what Herod did was wrong. But here's the truth, beloved. This baby who was born to be king was not only born to be king of Jerusalem. Hear this, hear this. He was born to be king of our hearts, of our minds, of our thoughts, of our secret thoughts. And now we have a choice to make just like King Herod. Will we welcome him in as the rightful good king that he is? Or we will, will we follow King Herod and say, I like the current administration better? Do you hear it? Do you see it? This is us. Will we allow him to be king? Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we're willing to hold up not just a newspaper, not just a history book and shake our fists, but if we're willing to hold up a mirror and say, it's me and you, we're the problem. Injustice flows from here. It's not just from there. It's not just kings on thrones. It's you and me. Are we willing to be honest with ourselves and say, we need a shepherd king? Because the good news here, and let's talk about good news, because it is Christmas after all, and there is good news. The good news is that a king would come who is not like other kings, but this king would be a shepherd king who would truly care for his people like a shepherd cares for his sheep, who would not be hungry for power but would be driven by love and compassion. This is the king that wants to be king in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, over our thoughts. He's a good king, and we would be good to let him in. He wants to come in. He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. Let's go back to the prophet Micah one more time. There's just a little more to talk about here. Micah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. So once more, 700 B.C. approximately. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Do you hear this? This is actually the passage that spoke to me so much that made me want to do a whole series on the book of Micah. There's going to come a time when the nations will say, we don't need these weapons anymore. 
It says they're going to they're gonna beat their swords into plowshares. I don't even know what a plowshare is, but it has something to do with farming. We don't need the weapons anymore. There will be peace on earth. That's part of the promise. That's part of the promise. So, um, if you ask someone today who was a follower of the Old Testament, people of the modern-day Jewish religion, um, one of the reasons that they will give, actually, like, the reason, if, if someone who would say, I believe in the Old Testament, but Jesus isn't the Messiah. There are people today that hold to that position. And if you ask them, well, why do you believe that Jesus wasn't the Messiah? One of the answers, usually the answer that usually here is Jesus didn't fulfill the promises of what the Messiah was supposed to do. And to their credit, not everything has yet been fulfilled. They would point to a verse like this and say, say the Messiah was supposed to bring peace on earth. Look around. Look at the newspaper. Where's the peace on earth? But the problem with that mindset is that mindset is only looking out there at the problem out there and not understanding that the first problem is in here. Yes, yes, yes. The promise is still for him to do what the scriptures say. There will be peace on earth. Here it says he will judge. He'll judge between the peoples. He will come as a judge. But first, before he came as a judge, before he comes as a judge, before he comes as a judge, first he came as a savior. Because those who have eyes to see understand that the real problem, the root of the problem, is not evil kings and bad politicians. That's just a, a, a fruit of the problem. The bigger issue is the sin that rules in all of our hearts. So, this is what was not understood. Actually, there, there was a verse I wrote down when I was thinking about this. I lost it. Let's see if I can remember it. It's from the book of 2 Peter, and it goes like this. Don't count his promises slow. Some have said that his promise isn't coming. Where is the fulfillment of his promise? I'm paraphrasing because my memory is imperfect. Where is the fulfillment of his promise, some say? And hear this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but he is patient. He's patient because he doesn't want you to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He's giving us time. He came once, not as a judge, to rule the nations, because if he did, we'd all be in trouble. The guilty do not want a judge to come. He didn't come first as a judge. He came first as a savior. And the reason he has not yet come to judge, and the reason he has not yet come to fix the problems of the world, is because he's not done fixing the problems in here, the problems in our hearts. So here is more Christmas good news. Jesus was rejected as the Messiah because he didn't come the way they expected him to. They expected him to come like other kings, on a war horse, with money and power and a sword, 
to rule. That's what they expected. That's what they wanted. And the reason they expected that, the reason they wanted that, is because they only understood the problem out there. But he came as a little baby in a manger. A little baby in a manger. And what does that mean? He came as someone that sinners can come to. He came poor so that the poor could come to him. He came weak as a baby, though he was the almighty God, so the weak could come to him. With arms open wide, are you aware that you are a sinner? Are you willing to hold a mirror and not just a newspaper? Are you willing to say, the guilt is here, I will look at it, it's hard. I very much remember, I very much remember, I used to mock Christianity, I used to mock Christians, but one day a mirror was given to me to hold so to speak. God opened my eyes and I saw that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. I saw that. It was uncomfortable. Sometimes I say things that are uncomfortable because I want you to hold the mirror, not to hurt you, to help you, because there's a savior. There's a savior who stands ready to forgive and he's patient. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to face judgment. He wants you to come to repentance in life. And so he came not as a judge, not as a powerful ruler to rule the nations with, with strength of a sword, but he came as a savior. He came as a friend. He came as someone who would be our friend, a friend of sinners. Are you a sinner? He came to be your friend. Born in a manger, he invited the weak, he invited the lowly, he invited the despised shepherds. Come and worship, come and see. He invited the nations. It wasn't just for the Jews. It wasn't just for Jerusalem. People came from afar. We've come to worship the king of the Jews. Beloved, he is the king. And he will someday come. He will someday come and fulfill the promise to bring peace on earth forever in his renewed kingdom. One more passage from the book of Micah. And this is the only passage that I have for you today. This is the last one. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Okay, let me break it down for you if you don't know how this story works out. The little baby grew up, and he did what he was sent to do. With great love, he loved us until the very end. He loved us until the very end when they nailed him to the cross. And the reason he allowed for them to do that is because he knew that justice must be fulfilled. Do you feel the weight of sin? Not just the sin of the world, not just the sin of politicians and rulers, but do you feel this, the weight of your own sin? Because in love, that's what he wants to take. That's what he did take. It was placed upon him and he accepted it. In love, he accepted the punishment that was ours. He died for our sins, but that's not the end of the story. Then he rose from the dead. And now, as it says here, his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. The desire that I have for us, not just tonight, but yes, tonight, but as a church, the desire I have is for what I already told you, for us to see to not just worship out of tradition or habit or empty religion, but to worship in spirit and truth, for that is what the Father is seeking, those who would worship him in spirit and truth. And so this is what Jesus said. After rising from the dead, 
He said that John, his friend John the Baptist, he baptized with water. But you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be clothed with power. And that's not something for later. Later Jesus is going to come back. But for now, now the Holy Spirit is given to the world. Now the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given. And there's so much I'd like to say about this. But I want to tell you, if this is new to you, and your eyes are just being opened, maybe just a little bit, or you're starting to scratch your head and saying, perhaps there's something here that I have missed. I need you to join us in the beginning of the year because we're going to walk through the book of Acts, which is also called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn how God expects us to see and experience him. They asked him, now, now will your kingdom come? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, this is what it is for you to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Beloved, sometimes when I speak, and sometimes I hope you can sense it, sometimes when I speak, I can feel God's Spirit stirring in me, and it's His Spirit that's enabling me to speak, not as a man, but as a witness by His Spirit's power overflowing. And beloved, so much it's my desire and so much it's my prayer that you would recognize that. You would recognize that my, me and myself, I don't have it in me to do this. But this is God's heart and God's message for all of us. And the message is good because God is good. The message is there's a savior. The message is there's a savior for us. There's a savior for sinners. He was a baby born in a manger. Who's afraid of a baby? Come, let us come and adore him. The door is wide open. It's wide open for people who don't deserve it. He's coming and he will heal the problems of the world. He will someday sit on a throne. But now... Now he desires to sit on the throne of our hearts. And as he sits on the throne in our hearts, he wants to empower us to be his witnesses, to speak his truth to an unbelieving world, to open the eyes of the blind and set the captives free. Father God, do it today. Father God, do it today. Let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that eyes are open, that hearts let you in. Lord, the current administration has not been working out. The current administration has not been ruling with justice. But you are a shepherd king. Come and rule my heart. Rule our hearts and then rule the world. But first, rule in here. We don't want to be like Herod, pushing you away, Lord. We want to let you rule. We want you to be king because you are good. Save us, Lord and give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let us see you now and let us worship in spirit and truth. Hallelujah, amen.